What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Chord Chronicles. Last week, I mean, last week speaks for itself. You know, if you haven't had a chance, go back and listen to, you know, our Week 9 episode, the 100th episode, Spectacular. And also, plenty of good albums in that, um, probably the best, maybe the best week of all time overall. I say that a lot, but, I mean, I really do mean it this time, so... You know, um, I hope everyone out there had an awesome week. It's been uh, really bad weather throughout the U.S. from what I've seen. So that, uh, you know, it's been, we got a freak, I would say blizzard, but then it was gone within a day. So it's been really weird. Lots of rain up here too still. <laughs> like a blizzard and then lots of rain. But we're not here to talk about the weather because, you know, I'd ask if uh, you got blown away in the wind down there, Amy. But you're sitting right there. And I know you don't want to talk about the weather, but I guess we do have to get into the sad portion of the show, I guess we could say. I hate starting off on a down note, and maybe next week we can throw in some birthdays or something, <laughs> you know? Something a little happier? Yeah, something a little lighter. But, I mean, we always do. If we see that an artist or someone of note has passed away... We like to give them one last, I always say shout out, which sounds weird, but we do like to memorialize, you know, these artists because they did provide us lots of hours of entertainment. And, you know, this is just one last thank you in a way. But I'm just going to get right into it. March 2nd of this year, we lost Wayne Shorter. He was 89. He was an American jazz saxophonist. He was with groups like the Jazz Messengers, Miles Davis Quintet. And then Weather Report, and I know you had the Weather Report album. Yes, and um, he played on the McCoy Tyner album that I reviewed earlier this year. And I was pretty impressed with all of the musicians on that album. Oh yeah, I mean, I love saxophone. Jazz saxophonists are amazing, especially at this time. It's just a really strong time for this music, and probably before this as well. But we only, you know, we've done 70 and beyond. So that's all I'm privy to as far as, you know, jazz. You know, my jazz knowledge is very limited. But, I mean, everything that I've heard from Wayne Shorter has been exciting. So, I mean, I'm excited to hear some more of his work because I know we do have some more, you know, stuff from him. And he was also a 12-time Grammy winner. So you know he was a quality musician. But, yeah, that's a huge loss. But he did live to the ripe age of 89. And, you know, a lot of us don't, you know, don't we don't get that opportunity. So, but I was, uh, you know, sad to see Wayne Shorter gone. We also, on the same day, lost Steve Mackey. He was 56. He's an English musician, mostly known for the band Pulp, which is like an alternative band. And I believe a lot of their stuff was is in the 80s. But, I mean, I, every time we see an artist like that, we like to go ahead and mention, even though this this program is focused around, you know, 70s music, you know, and, the, and this is a, more of an 80s artist, I'm still going to call someone, you know, someone's name out, at least. Because I, I do, I've, I went back and when I saw that, I listened to a couple of the Pulp songs, and I, I think I've had already heard a couple of their things before. But, uh, you know, I was sad to see that he was only 56, so that's a really young age to pass away. And then um, we do have a couple for March the 3rd of this year. First, we lost David Lindley. He was 78. He's an American musician. It was with uh, a band in the 60s that we didn't review. Their Kaleidoscope. 
but he was also a singer like he sung on tracks like mercury blues and he was a session musician and there's a huge list you can go on wikipedia and look at the number of artists that david lindley worked with and it's it's a very huge list it's really big and he was a producer as well so very extensive you know catalog for david lindley and i was sad to see him go and then finally a non-musician but an actor that i just wanted to talk about um, you know, I saw recently that Tom Sizemore, uh, I mean, he's been in so many different movies. I mean, he's in, you know, like, what, Spider-Man, and just, you know, I could sit here and list his movies, but you can go on IMDb, and it's a big list, and you'd be surprised how many movies that Tom Sizemore was actually in, or, or shows, just all kinds of things. But I guess recently he had a brain aneurysm, and, I mean, he's been on life support, and finally, I guess maybe the decision was made to, to take him off life support. But he did pass away March 3rd, and he was 61. So once again, sad to see that. That was terrible. I hate starting the program off on a down note like that. Like I said, but it but it's always good to at least, you know, acknowledge these people because they, these artists have given us a lot of enjoyment over the years. But I don't know if you had anything else to add, Amy. No, um... It's been a week. Let's just leave it at that. It's been a week. Yeah, and I mean, last week was a huge episode. I mean, so many big albums. So I was worried there would be a little bit of a hangover <laughs> period because, you know, these albums, a lot of the albums that we're going to talk about, I mean, at least a couple are not really the genres that I'm drawn to. <laughs> I'm trying to be nice. <laughs> I'm trying to be nice. I mean, like, like there are a couple artists on here that I just, you know, uh, just not really excited at all. But we listen to everything, whether it's something that I like, you know, whether, you know, something like Black Sabbath or anything, anything, you know, but or something bad like Yoko Ono. I can say this at the start. The first album that we're going to talk about, I mean, it's not a Yoko Ono style bad to me. It's nothing like, you know, the wow all that crap or whatever that was that art i guess i should say but it's it is this artist we're going to talk about is an artist that's not exciting to me <laughs> i mean i i hate being like that i mean this is just my personal preference it's really it's all subjective obviously but tom waits is a poet i will agree to that his his art his poetry is you know his his imagery and his writing is good and I can read his lyrics and things. Maybe if someone else sings it, because people have covered some of his songs, which I'll probably get into that. I don't want to speak a whole, you know, like a whole lot on Tom Waits because we have other albums. But I'm just going to get into this album that we're talking about. Um, this album came out March the sixth of 1973. This is Tom Waits' Closing Time. I mean, people that are already familiar with Tom Waits out there are probably more familiar with uh, what his gravelly voice something like that his um and they may have caught his stuff maybe at an older age like me because like, i'm not you know i'm not a huge tom waits fan so i was not familiar with this album this is actually tom waits debut album which i mean he sounds younger you can tell because this voice is more I don't know. It just doesn't have that gruffness in it. It's smoother. More of like a jazz style. At times, there are a couple songs on here that do 
you know, maybe three songs on here that do kind of delve into more of a jazz type feel to it. But this album for me is really, it's, it's, it's mainly centers around loneliness, from what I could tell. And it's, it's kind of a dreary, it's kind of dreary, it's like a, a downer. So I'm not, I'm not one usually to listen to albums that are, you know, just so down. Because, I'm, you know, I already have problems with depression. So I don't want to, I don't want to encourage sadness at, at all. I like to listen to fun, exciting, even angry is okay. But usually I try not to listen to a whole album of just lonely or sad or anything like that. So this album was a little bit of a haul for me. But, you know, that's just my personal issues. Now there was one single. It was Old 55. It wasn't that that successful from Tom Waits. But it was later made successful by another band (laughs) that we're about to talk about pretty soon. What, in a couple weeks, I believe. And that's the Eagles. So, and it may, they may be even be on that album. I don't know. But I know the Eagles covered Old 55 and actually made it a, I guess, a small hit. Not a huge thing like Desperado or, <laughs> hint, something like that. But, you know, they did cover Old 55 and it, it was bigger with them than it was with Tom Waits. Once again, an example of Tom Waits is an excellent writer. Kind of like a, you know, we've talked, I've mentioned it before, like, uh, like Bob Dylan, a lot of times when someone covers his his art, his work, I like it better because I just don't like his voice. Uh, you know, I just don't. But the song Martha on this album, which I I just I I'm, I wasn't impressed with this album from my myself. I keep saying that for myself because when once I went through this album and tried to review it, it's just I just didn't see what the big deal other than the writing i get it i mean a lot of times with folk artists i'm just not i I can appreciate their writing and i don't necessarily want to hear it on an album but the song martha though was covered by a couple artists actually tim buckley later this year i think it's june i'm not sure but his album sophronia we'll be talking more about that later and they cover the song martha it was also covered by bet midler on Saturday Night Live in 1979. So I guess she did a live performance of it. I haven't seen it. It may be out there on YouTube. I haven't went and looked. And then Martha was also covered by Meatloaf on a 1995 album. And I don't have that in front of me. I just noted that it was an, an album in 95. So even in 95, these artists are still acknowledging some of Tom Waits' you know, first work. And I'm sure his his poetry and stuff is going to get better, you know. But I think the feel for this album, he did want to keep some of the jazz elements in it. But I'm not going to go into the the whole list of personnel because the list of personnel on this album is pretty big. There are, I mean, a few guest musicians, but you can go on Wikipedia and check that out. The main, I would say the main focus of this album, obviously, is Tom Waits. You know, this is his thing. He he wrote everything, and I believe he actually helped produce part of this. I'm not, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, it was mildly successful on the Irish albums charts. It hit 29, but I don't think in the United States this album was very highly, as far as chart wise. I don't think it charted very high. Now, critically, on the other hand, some of those other people, <laughs> some of the other critics out there, I mean. I get it. They can they can, I can appreciate the writing, but this album was is dreary. 
it's just dreary. I guess it's about loneliness and loneliness. I get it, but I don't know. That's that's really all I have to say about it. I mean, I hate like I said, I started the the program off on the down note with talking about deaths, and then now we're talking about an album about pure loneliness. This album is just not for me, and I will never listen to it again. I'm not. I'm just gonna go ahead and turn it over to you. I'm not gonna give my star rating yet. But as you can probably tell from my voice, I wasn't greatly excited about it like some of these other people who give this album like four and a half stars. You're not going to get that from me. <laughs> so, but what did you what did you think about you know Tom Waits' closing time? So, Tom Waits, this was his debut album, and I didn't know anything by him that was this old, actually. It turns out, I guess, I don't know anything by Tom Waits at all, or I didn't at least until listening to this. You know, I thought I did. His name was so familiar to me, and I thought that I knew a song or two by him, but I couldn't find anything, so... I don't know, maybe I'm thinking of John Waite. You know, Tom Waits, John Waite, 1984, I ain't missing you at all. That is not this. That song is better. I will definitely say that, you know, John Waite, superior to Tom Waits, at least this album. His voice was, it reminded me of a lot of different people throughout the album. Like, in some songs, it was actually kind of reminiscent of Cat Stevens. You know, definitely not all the songs, but some. But the songs aren't as poignant as the Cat Stevens songs. The styling is, but I just, I don't feel as strongly about Cars, you know, old 55, as I do about, say, Fathers and Sons, all uh, Cat Stevens. So, it was a little, I don't know, a little mismatched, I'm gonna say. The lyrics, I know you've described them as poetry, and I guess that's true, but for me, they reminded me more of someone like Bruce Springsteen, and we didn't rate his debut album super highly either. You know, sometimes his voice is also reminiscent of Springsteen. Like I said, it changes throughout the album. He's playing different roles to fit the songs, I guess. I think that he has done some acting, and I think he was kind of doing that on this album too. At times, he was the Cat Stevens, you know, soft singer-songwriter. times, he was the, the American everyman, blue-collar guy, Bruce Springsteen. And at times, he was somebody else that I'm not going to mention yet, but I'll get there. I also wanted to mention, you can hear the count at the beginning of a couple of the songs, too, which was a little bit odd. It wasn't bad, but it was a little strange. I think it was kind of meant to give it the feel of a small, intimate live show. And I guess it kind of did, but I wasn't taken in by it. I mean, I know that I'm listening here. Can you imagine going to a live show like this and not getting one ounce of excitement? It'd be a, it'd be a sleep show. If I tried to go and, and listen to this and like the lights were dimmed down and this guy's just singing about this drear... I don't even think I'd want to eat. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That bad. Huh? <laughs> yes, it's boring. It's boring. Yeah. 
I didn't hate it quite as much as you. I didn't think the songs were bad. His voice is not traditionally pretty, but it, it's not terrible, except when he does the Bob Dylan thing, like on Old Shoes and Picture Postcards and several other songs throughout the album. It's not quite as bad as Bob Dylan, but it's not great. And he Jeez. did. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> he did do it quite a bit throughout the album. And I know that Bob Dylan was a big influence on him. I read that later, so it makes some sense. But we've talked about Bob Dylan a lot on here. <laughs> yeah, Bob Dylan's influenced me as well. He's influenced me to try to listen to something else. <laughs> we have talked about him a lot on here. I don't need to rehash all of that. You know how we feel about that. I did like, I think it was a trumpet in Virginia Avenue. That was good. And... I enjoyed the song Ice Cream Man. That one was upbeat and super jazzy and just a lot of fun. I also thought that Little Trip to Heaven was pretty good. It's a pretty ballad, and I know you don't really go for the ballads as much as I do, but it's a pretty ballad that just kind of is screaming for use. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> I like ballads, but it has to be an artist that's good, like Elton John. Well, See? okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, this is just drear. Elton John knows how, and Bernie Taupin know how to write a ballad. Sorry. <laughs> this one, for me, it was just kind of, it sounded like movie soundtrack music. It was just screaming for use in a romantic movie with the couple you know, out dancing, and then maybe later a little something more. But... <laughs> I'm not saying I loved it, but I thought that it was pretty good, especially compared to the rest of the album. I think what I have concluded after listening to this, I think he writes good music. His lyrics aren't always the greatest, and his vocals are sometimes a little too contrived. Bob Dylan. But the music itself tended to sound pretty good. So... I think it's a good album if you like this kind of stuff. And I realize that's not overly helpful because it's kind of hard to categorize this as a certain type of stuff. It's a little difficult to describe. There's a lot of jazz influence, but there's also a lot of folk influence, so I don't know. But the music, the instrumentation sounded good, but the vocals definitely did not always sound good. And... Nothing was overly memorable to me or really stuck with me. So I am going to go ahead and give this three and a half stars. It's not really for me, but I, on a, an album like this, I'm just going to have to suggest that you give it a try for yourself. Maybe it'll be something that you like. I didn't think it was bad. It's just not really for me. So I'll be generous and say three and a half. I am not a generous God in this instance. <laughs> I have made it through a lot of these albums before. <laughs> now, I didn't go like two and a half star category. Like uh, like I probably would with the album that uh, someone else is going to talk about pretty soon. But <laughs> spoiler alert on that. But um, no, I just gave this three stars. It's To me, it's not bad. It's just not good either. Like I said, I like ballads, but it needs to be an artist that knows how to write a good ballad. 
and I just am not impressed so far with Tom Waits. I mean, it's just probably my ignorance, but so far, and this is our show, so we can rate them whatever we want to. <laughs> it doesn't have to be four and a half stars, even though these the people out here think it is. If you know what, it's a three star album for me. So what? Three and a quarter. <laughs> I definitely think that's fair too. <laughs> so you know, but uh, you know, three and a quarter stars combined. That's a you know, you better step up your game a little bit, Tom Waits. Wake up a little bit. Do something. I mean, even if he tried to do something, because his voice is a little bit like Springsteen, like Springsteen and Neil Young a little bit, maybe together. <laughs> Maybe they got together and had a child. And it was Tom Waits. I don't know. Hey, but uh, he needs to do something. <laughs> you know, there needs to be a little bit more up tempo or something. It needs to be a little bit more oomph to it because it just that, there's a reason this album just kind of even though it's critically acclaimed, you don't you don't hear a lot more about it because it just kind of fades in the middle of all this great music. Because the week before we had so many amazing albums. Can you imagine if you were like buying a lot of records? And, you know, you were like, because the critics are like, ooh, check out this album. And last week you had Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon and, you know, like The Captain and Me from the Doobie Brothers or stuff like that. And you go in and you pick up this Tom Waits album because someone tells you to pick it up. Oh, my gosh, I would be so mad. I would be so <laughs> mad. But, uh, yeah, there's two different levels there for sure. Yeah. Pink Floyd and Doobie Brothers are on one and Tom Waits is several levels below that. But yeah, that three and a quarter stars, I mean, I think that's actually a little generous, but hey, it is what it is. But I think we're going to take a quick break because he wasn't with, uh, I wasn't with you guys this week again, because, you know, schedules, but I think we're going to go ahead and take a quick break and we're going to do Luke Loves Listening. So stay tuned. All right, guys, we are back, and by we, I mean me and my husband Luke again this week, because, you know, Luke loves listening, so he has reviewed another album for us, and I'm just going to turn it over to him and let him talk about it. All right, well, this week I have The Birds with their creatively titled album, Birds. Uh, in all honesty, I'm not really familiar with The Birds' work outside of their big hits in the 60s um i've listened to their first six albums which included such great hits as mr tambourine man turn 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 eight miles high and uh many others but uh, in late 67 david crosby and gene clark two of the big uh, creative minds and the birds had left and the band had you know kept chugging they had graham parsons in there for a while but it really felt like a different thing at a certain point and I know that, Amy, you guys previously covered their 1970 album, Untitled, and the 71's Bird Maniacs, and gave them a three and a quarter and a two and three quarter stars, respectively. Uh, so they seem to be kind of maybe on a downward trajectory there. So a little <laughs> uh, nervous about this one, <laughs> going into it. And so that brings us to March 7th, 1973. And it's kind of a reunion of sorts because all five of the original members, Roger McQuinn, Gene Clark, David Crosby, 
Chris Hillman and Michael Clark are back. Uh, the longtime drummer Gene Parsons, who is no relation, relation to Graham Parsons, who had already left, uh, he's out. And so it's just the original lineup. So after I read that, I was slightly more interested because the original lineup era is the era that I was, you know, enjoying. So getting into the actual uh, music portion, uh, it starts with a song called Full Circle. And just from the title alone, you might think that it is uh, maybe about this reunion, you know, the band coming full circle or whatever. But now it's uh, an original that Gene Clark wrote and recorded prior to this reunion under a different title. He called it Full Circle Song. And he polished it up here for the full band and re-recorded it. And it's not bad, but it just makes me think of other songs called Full Circle or that have like circle in the title for some reason. It, it reminded me of, uh, you know, the hymn or uh, whatever it is, the Will the Circle Be Unbroken? I don't know. It it doesn't really sound like that, but I kept thinking I'd rather be listening to that. Uh, there's also a few covers on this album by, by friends of the band, I guess you'd say. We have For Free by Joni Mitchell, which came off of her 1970 album Ladies of the Canyon. And David Crosby sings that one. Uh, so kind of an interesting history between those two. <laughs> Three, if you throw Graham Parsons in there, but you can look that up on your own. And uh, then there are two Neil Young songs on here as well. Uh, Cowgirl in the Sand, one of his early hits, and See the Sky About to Rain. Uh, kind of surprising to me, both of those were picked for the album by Gene Clark and not David Crosby. Uh, Crosby was in Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, technically at this time, and so was Neil Young. So a lot of people speculated that, you know, he just was throwing his bandmate's song on there, but it turns out that wasn't really the case, that another band member, Clark, had uh, picked that to be here. And Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young was on hiatus at this point, so some kind of speculated that Crosby was filling his spare time on this project, waiting for his real quote-unquote band to get back into the studio. Uh, he kind of tackled this project in a similar fashion to his CSNY stuff that he was doing, uh, where he's not just, you know, singing and playing an instrument and writing certain songs, but he's also produced the entire album here. So it is very much a David Crosby uh, thing. And that's kind of a tangent. So Cowgirl in the Sand it's a pretty good cover. More so if you're a Spotify user, since Neil Young isn't on there anymore. This is probably your best option if you want to hear that song. Uh, the harmonies are really nice on that one, so that's what makes it stand out. And um, honestly, it kind of stands out because the harmonies on the rest of the album aren't quite as good. Uh, it seems a little muddy on other songs. The backing vocals are not really coming through as clear as I like to have more of a separation really defined separation between those individual voices uh, and you can still do that with close harmonies probably most famously the andrews sisters did that that whatever that song is boogie boogie woogie boy something like that boogie woogie bugle boy of company b yeah that's the one yeah that's that's close harmonies meaning that each member is singing a note that is not too far off from the other one, but not the same. 
as opposed to an open harmony, which if you think of a piano, the, the notes are further apart and uh, they still sound good, but that's not typical. But close harmonies can get muddy if the members' voices are too similar. And I think that's what's happening here. Either that or it's just poor recording, which it seems unlikely due to the experience of this group. So I don't know. And it, it may just be because each band member was spearheading their individual song and the other members were just kind of the backing band for that song. And maybe they just weren't fully invested. They didn't gel with the songs that other people picked. I don't know. But that was kind of a big letdown on this album was the harmonies weren't really crisp and tight, except for in that one song, Cowgirl in the Sand. I do know that the band members had admitted in some interviews that they were partaking of some illicit substances during the recording session. <laughs> so I could believe maybe they just weren't quite focused on what they were doing. But it makes the album come across kind of as dull, uninspiring. Uh, there's a song, Changing Heart, was probably my favorite original song. But even then, it's not really a keeper. It just was kind of catchy. It was like, it was almost there, but not really great. It was the third track, though, so it kind of got my hopes up for the rest of the album. But then the rest of the album kind of put me to sleep. So I hesitate to give it a three. It's maybe a two and a half. Uh, Almost certainly, if they hadn't swiped Neil Young's material, it would be. But then, as I'm thinking about it, it seems kind of unfair to knock them for that. Because it's the Birds. They kind of made their name off of covers. I mean, they did 10 Bob Dylan covers, and most of them were their biggest hits. Uh, Pete Seeger's cover, uh, Turn, 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 was a big hit. And, and so it seems... That maybe they saw Neil Young as a successor to that. He's a folk type artist with a voice that is, let's say, not their strong suit in the same vein as Bob Dylan. And their songs make up for it, though. So I don't know. I think I'll probably go with a three, but it's a it's a close one. All right. Well, I have to say that is about what I was expecting when I saw them on the schedule. I wish that wasn't the case, but their last ones just weren't very inspiring to me. So I didn't have super high hopes for this one. But you always hope that it'll be better. Yeah, especially since it's their final album that they go out like that. Right. And at least it's not bad. You know, that's not a bad score. It's just an average score. No. All right. Well, do you have anything else to add before we take another break? Nope, that's it. Look forward to coming back sometime. All right. Well, we expect you to come back next week, so... <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready. All right. Well, then we will take another break, and I will say before we do, if you hear a bunch of shuffling around and noise during this recording, I'm sorry, that's our cat Boris, but frequent listeners will be familiar with him because he always has a part on, you know, some sort of part. On every episode, I think. He's a noisy boy, but he's a sweet one. All right, so we will take a break, and then we will be back with more albums to talk about.
And we're back. And I think I'm going to step aside because I didn't listen to this album yet. <laughs> I try to listen to even your solo albums, you know, because I'm going to be a completionist. But there is another album later on that we're going to talk about that I was a little infatuated with. But anyway, I'm going to step aside and let you talk about your Amy's all alone. <laughs> all right. Well, this week, my solo album, I... I pulled the straw for Canned Heat New Age. I believe this came out on March 9th, 1973. This should be fairly short because I don't really have a ton to say about this album. And while I did listen, you know, I had to listen to it while I was driving, so I couldn't really make notes while I was listening. I did use voice to text to make a few notes immediately, and then I supplemented afterwards. But I may not be as wordy as I generally am. You're welcome. Thank God. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, hush. <laughs> I get it from my brother. <laughs> we do have some experience with Canned Heat. I think that you might have reviewed a previous album on the show, maybe Heat and Hooker. Um, and maybe we had another one. I honestly don't remember. I, th I think it was John Lee Hooker with Canned Heat. Yeah. I think, yeah. It was a little different. Type. It wasn't really your typical, like, some of the past. The Canned Heat stuff really was the 60s, right? The late 60s? Before we really started listening, they were more of a late 60s Woodstock type of band. Yeah, I think they were a little earlier. This is more toward the end of their career, I believe. I didn't, I'll be honest, I didn't actually look. But I know... No, I'm pretty sure we did have some of their albums. At least that one, maybe some others, but I don't remember. They did have a few hits that I am familiar with that were earlier on. Nothing that's on this album, though. I just have a few quick notes about the individual tracks. By the way, they are a blues rock band. Something about the song Keep It Clean reminded me of Werewolves of London. I, I don't know what it is that just really evoked that song for me. That's neutral. I like the song Werewolves of London, but I also like creativity and originality, so it's a wash. The Fake Twang in Harley Davidson Blues, though, which is the second track, so it's really early on the album. Ugh, we've talked about it before. Fake Twang, it's it's awful. That really annoyed me. Manufactured Twang. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the music was good on that one. You know I like blues, but the vocals were just awful on that one. Really hated that one, to be honest. I did like the song Rock and Roll Music. It may have been my favorite off the album, which is kind of funny since it's really a blues album, but whatever. And this will sound weird, but a lot of this album evoked thoughts of Randy Newman or Harry Nilsson to me. I don't I don't know exactly what it Ew. is. I mean, I like Randy Newman, but <laughs> Randy Newman doing like blues rock? I don't know. Maybe. I'd probably, I'd give it one shot. Well, I mean, he's got the Toy Story theme. You've got a friend in me. That's pretty good, but. I mean, it's better. It's probably better than Tom Waits, but. <laughs> yeah, it. I guess it is, you know, like you've got a friend in me. It kind of reminded me of that, but it's not as good as that, so. I don't know, it just, I kept thinking, you know, this sounds like something that Randy Newman would have covered. This sounds like a song that Harry Nilsson wrote. I don't think that any of them were, but it made me think that. Overall, I thought the album was okay, but 
It wasn't spectacular, for sure. It was one of those that's, you know, it's fine, but it's kind of forgettable. There's nothing really bad about it, except for that manufactured twang. But there's nothing that was really great, either. The album doesn't get high reviews from anybody else, either. You know, typically. It only has two stars on all music, so other listeners, wow. yeah, other listeners don't like it, either. I do think that is a little low. That's a little harsh. But there is also a story about a review that I wanted to share. Lester Bangs, you know, the famous reviewer, he notably gave this a poor review and was subsequently fired from Rolling Stone for being disrespectful. <laughs> I don't know what he said. I couldn't find the actual review. So I don't know if it was really justified. Hopefully he wasn't fired just for giving a bad review because that's not cool. You know, these things are opinions, they are subjective, but maybe he was really unfair and truly disrespectful. He did tend to be very harsh and critical of a lot of stuff. That was his style for sure, and from what I read about it, you know, it had been building for a while. He had been unfairly harsh toward a lot of artists from what the higher-ups at Rolling Stone said, and this was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. His review of this album was reportedly particularly mean, but I don't know. He definitely did not like it and didn't give it a good review, though. So, yeah, that's a story. Yeah, your album is the one that got Lester Bangs fired. <laughs> I did have high hopes for this, because I do love blues, but it, it was just kind of neutral for me. So, I gave New Age three stars. It it almost sounds a little low because it wasn't bad, but there just isn't anything that really stood out for me. There is better stuff out there. The whole album felt kind of filler-esque. Like it was, the whole album was just filler in their career. So, I hope I don't get fired, but three stars. I mean, I'll still go back and listen to it to give it a shot, because anytime like all music rates something two stars, I'm already intrigued because it's it's never as bad as they say it is. Just like when all music typically, when they when they will rate something five stars or you know four and a half or four four and three quarter whatever really high like that, and then I listen to it and it's just bad. I'm like, all right, it's it's all subjective once again. You're I mean people's rating you know they can be they could be rating him for different things for your if you're rating something for just your pure enjoyment like if we did a like if our show was based totally on what, what we enjoyed like i would like tom waits would have been like what two stars and uh the artist i'm getting ready to talk about would be five stars <laughs> if i'm just if i'm just rating for enjoyment you know but it would also be a much more <laughs> boring show because it would not have the range that we typically have. Yeah, who care? Who cares what we think about personally? You know, I mean, <laughs> you know, if it's just a, a, my personal, I like the way this sounds. Okay, yeah, I'm gonna add that too. But I'm also gonna take into account like the artistic merit of something, like you know, the effect. Maybe, you know, if it's something that that he or she or whatever the artist, maybe they've experimented and done something outside of the box, and I'm like, wow, they did that like Todd Rundgren in '73. <laughs> you know, so, uh, you know, a lot of times I give bonus for, in, may, even if it fails, if someone attempts something that's just way, just different, because they were trying to go outside the norm. I like that anyway, but, 
Yeah, so three, I thought, you know, actually, usually ahead of time, I'll go ahead and try to guess what I think you'll rate an album. And I had three stars, so I was about right on that. I didn't look at all music or any of that stuff, but like I said, I didn't listen to your album yet. But I'm going to go back and listen to it and, Show you know, see what... <laughs> Well, I mean, I'll see what I think about it. I, I am completionist like that. <laughs> oh, I meant the but, trying to predict my scores, because you always manage to get it right. Well, you're usually pretty harsh with your scores, so I typically don't uh, put them high. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I The next the album that I'm getting ready to talk about for Jeff's Just Jamming, my solo segment, is probably the best album of the week. I'm going to go ahead and say that because this artist is my favorite out of the list of the week this week for sure. This artist is Link Ray. And I mean, a lot of people out there may not know the name Link Ray. But if you are familiar with Pulp Fiction, you know the song Rumble. And if you know Motorhead with Lemmy, you know the song Ace of Spades. Ace of You know Spades. Link Ray. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he is... Link Ray has an amazing story. I've already... I don't think we did an audio program for, and it was an off the record because after a little, for a little bit, off the record just was we gave ratings. We would listen to everything, but we just didn't have time to record. And I think we had maybe some microphone issues at the time, so we we just you know said whether or not they were hit or a sit or a miss or you know <laughs> maybe the other word. <laughs> so but uh, we had a little poop emoji. But this was a definitely a thumbs up, like the his solo album. Well, I don't want to say solo album, but the self-titled 1970 album, or maybe 71. But it's Link Ray. If everyone out there needs to go listen to that one, I gave it a thumbs up. If we are given star ratings, it would be right there at five stars. Link Ray has an amazing story. Anyway, he was well. He's half Native American. I don't remember exactly which tribe, but he's half Native American. He was in the Korean War, and while in the Korean War, he contracted um, con- uh, contracted uh, tuberculosis and lost a lung. So they said he would never sing again. And then after that, he gets back out of the army, you know, the army and everything, and starts performing. They, um, his brothers, who are also the Ray brothers, are also famous as far as I can't remember their names right now. But they're also artists from back in, you know, the 60s and things. It's, but it's Link Ray and somebody else, Ray. It's W-R-A-Y. But they recorded this album, the self-titled Link Ray album, in a chicken shack in Maryland, I believe. Just a little chicken shack. And it, does, it doesn't sound like it. You know, you would think typically something like that, it would have like the, I guess it would be the, the, the chicken shack version of the garage band feel to it. But it's not like that. Like the the self-titled Link Ray album, it's bluesy. He does, it has a little bit of a country feel to it at times, but not too heavy on the country. He doesn't have any of the manufactured twang. None of that. It's more of a, uh, he only has one lung, but you, you wouldn't know it. I mean, his vocals aren't, you know, he's not going to be holding huge notes, but it's not that style of music. Link Ray is a guitarist. And the reason I say that is because he's the inventor of what's known as the power chord. I mean, we can talk to Luke actually later about power chords and those type of because he, I mean, he probably would have added more as far as the music theory to what Link Ray does. Link Ray does so much, <laughs> you know, like he'll throw in a lot of times, um, he'll throw in, um, just this rock guitar right in the middle. It'll be like it's the normal song and all of a sudden he'll just hit some crazy, like, like 
power chords and stuff and you're like wow so heavily influential and this album actually that i'm talking about right now did we have i don't think i had an actual release day for it it's march of 73 and it's be what you want to and um there's not a lot of information as far as you know information behind the the tracks themselves but the personnel list for this is very extensive I'm not going to go through a huge list of it, but there are a few names that I do need to highlight. This album, even though I, I guess it's more closer, it's closer to my heart, the, the 71 Link Ray debut. I guess I, I call it the debut because he, he was with like groups before. And I think solo wise, I think 71's when he really, you know, st- you know, struck out on his own or whatever, solo. But this album is not, this album is has lots of guest musicians. I mean, you have Link Ray on electric guitar and lead vocals, but you have a little artist by the name of Jerry Garcia playing guitar and pedal steel guitar on here. You have Commander Cody playing piano and keyboards. I don't know if you know who Commander Cody is. Yeah, I've heard that name. Yeah, um, he was, um, they were in the, like the late 60s, more of a late 60s thing. Because uh, Commander Cody and his Lost Planet Airmen is the band. But uh, his piano work is amazing. It's it's good on this album as well. It really stands out, actually. I mean, amongst all this amazing guitar, and you have, uh, I mean, like I said, this this list is so big. I, I feel bad only pulling out a few names. I mean, you have people like John McPhee on electric guitar. You know, with the Doobie Brothers we talked about <laughs> uh, last week. He's on here, and there's just so many. Like the list is huge. So if you have a chance, you know, go check out Wikipedia so you can see all the the people that were involved with this. It just shows how many people regarded, you know, how high regard, highly regarded that Link Ray was and still is. And you would think, side note here real fast, that he would be in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Link Ray is not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. The inventor of the power chord is not in the Hall of Fame, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame isn't real rock and roll hall of fame when you don't put people like that in it when you put like no offense some of these rap artists and and stuff that they're putting in here like eminem and all that anyway that's just a side rant or whatever we'll save that for another day this album like i said not as good as the debut link ray album but at times like the song be what you want to and all like all cried out especially sounds like the rolling stones even the vocals at times really evoke, like, I'm sure, actually, they were influenced by, by Link, you know, Link, Link Ray. <laughs> I don't think it was the other way around. I think they were influenced by Link Ray. So, I think, for sure, Mick Jagger was a fan of Link Ray, and I'm sure the other, the other band members as well. But, I don't, I don't know that there were any singles off this. Maybe, um, maybe Lottie Miss Claudie, but that's a cover song. And it's from Lloyd Price, actually, from uh, off the like the New Orleans sound. It's um, it has, this that song has more of a country feel on here. I mean, like in the middle, it, this album does kind of go in more of a country feel, like a country western almost. But it's not heavy, heavy in that regard, because you know normally I wouldn't like that. If I if I still like it, you know, it's more accessible to a, a wider audience. It's not heavy. It doesn't have that manufactured twang at all. So. Um, the songs walk easy, walk slow, while the lyrics are pretty repetitive because he does make mostly just say walk easy, walk slow. It focuses on the guitar. It's a rockabilly 
type song like just really up and going and bluesy and just awesome that one's that one's for sure you need to pick that one out um you really got a hold on me i think is probably the highlight of the album i mean be what you want to is really good it flows along really nice but i like you really got a hold on me some of the guitar in that is just amazing so that if you're trying to only go only going to pick one song to listen to i would pick that one it, it actually is the rock and roll in this album it's more it may have a little bit of the country rock in it but it's more you know uh you know more you know like centered around rock and roll because i mean link ray does it can do anything but we did miss um one of link ray's albums that i didn't see it was from the link ray self-titled and it's called uh mordecai jones so I haven't had a chance to even find it yet. I didn't see it on Spotify. But when I went to Wikipedia and started looking around, just trying to you know look at all these the personnel on the album, because there's just too much going on for just Link Ray to be doing it. So I'm like, who are these ba- backing, who's this band that he's got with him? Because they are good. <laughs> and I first see, you know, Jerry Garcia and all that. And then obviously you can see the chronology with the albums, and it shows Mordecai Jones. So I'm not sure about that one. Um... I guess the album, though, it's pretty interesting as far as well because this album it was credited credited to mysterious singer Mordecai Jones, and that's Link Ray's piano player Bobby Howard. And so it was recorded under the supervision, uh, like at Ray's at that Chicken Shack, as well. Like Link Ray was uh, Steve Aroka, I think, is a producer as well. So I'm going to try to find that one and see if I'm sure Link Ray's involved. I mean, it's it's his album. So I'm interested to see what they did with that because it's right before this, so it's in between. So I want to see the the spin of that one to see if it's more country rock, if they're doing rock and roll. Maybe they're doing rockabilly because it has the piano player in it. So it could be either one, but it doesn't matter. Link Ray, severely underrated artist. You can't find these vinyls anywhere. I've I've been looking for these vinyls for a while now. You may be able to find some later stuff or like a greatest hits. If you find that out there, I'd recommend listening to this on vinyl. I know people say, ah, oh, vinyl snob, this and that. But I picked up a copy, just was lucky enough. I mean, there were, I picked up a few copies of some vinyls this week. But we talked about The Captain and Me from the Doobie Brothers last week. And I had a an original vinyl. You know, the, the, the look of the thing, you know, it's an original vinyl. So aesthetically it doesn't look great it might even have i think it has a little scratch on the the vinyl itself but it doesn't even affect the record i played the thing through i've listened to this you know doobie brothers all the way on like spotify and on youtube and whatever on the radio or whatever it doesn't even come close to this the way this record sounds i mean i can't even translate it to you because i couldn't play anything on here we'd get copyright strikes or whatever but if you can find vinyl of link ray out there not to mention it being valuable pick it up and give it a shot if you have to buy a record player for it you're not going to regret it so just you need to pick it up you need to pick up link ray's link ray album and link ray's be what you want to because this album is four and a half stars so but that's really all i have i know i've gushed about it but i don't know about all music's rating for it. it it probably is not as good but i would give link rave 71 five stars and i would give this one be what you want to four and a half so uh, i know what i always try to rate things i do rate things a little higher and maybe the fact that this guy has one lung and still is able to even sing and play guitar like this 
Maybe I give him a little bit of a, a, a curve or something, but not really because he just kills it. But yeah, check this one out for sure. This one doesn't need to be slept on. If you find this one out in the wild, pick it up. So, but yeah, that's uh, that's that was a definite surprise. But yeah, what did you? Have you had any link? Listen to any link, Ray? I've listened to a little bit of. I think it was the '71 album. Um, I didn't get a chance to listen to any of this, though. Of course, I know Rumble and some of the older stuff. But I'm really interested, and I want to listen to some of this, especially after hearing your review. And, you know, I do love guitar. That's that's my thing. Guitar, piano, vocals, those are what really grab me the most. So, yeah, I am really intrigued, and I'm definitely going to check it out. It was the highlight of the week. <laughs> I guess I'm blessed like that because I've been getting mostly the solo album I've gotten has been good. I haven't had a really bad one yet, I don't think. But there are there are some albums that we have had that I've had high expectations for going into it and then coming out of it I'm just a little bit disappointed. And I'm getting ready we're getting ready to talk about one of those albums. <laughs> Because we've talked about faces before on here. We even, what was it? What was their small faces? Yeah. I, I think. Whatever that first album. We've been we've been on this journey with faces. And we probably did. I think that? we've reviewed at least two, maybe three of theirs so far. Yeah, and um, we may have missed one album or maybe maybe two. I think maybe one when we were on. This is only their fourth and final album. I don't know if I mentioned that, but yeah, they, like, they've only had, they only have four albums, honestly, as faces, you know, maybe small faces or tiny faces or whatever it was. I think it's small faces, but I think we did review quite a bit, but I think we did miss one of them because I don't remember one that was said. It's, it's titled, A Nod is as good as a wink to the blind horse. <laughs> so do you know that one? Um... I just like the title. No, I I like it, and but the, the it came out around the time that Maggie May did, <laughs> so and so we we were on hiatus, so we did not because we did not do a solo Rod Stewart album, so that's a problem. But anyway, that's a problem with this album as well. One bonus I'll give this album is short. It's only thirty minutes long. All these songs are like are fast. It's rock and roll. I mean. Uh, I mean, maybe blues a little bit, and there are what I would call a ballad esque. Ooh la la! The, I mean, the the yeah. I, mean, I don't even know. I mentioned I mentioned it at the beginning. Yeah, this is Faces. Ooh la la! We don't have a release day. It's just March of '73. Nothing. Ex- I mean, I was ex- excited about Ooh la la because I like that song. It's on. I think it's Rushmore soundtrack. Something. There's a there's a, a movie from like the '90s, maybe 2000s. It's it's on there. Maybe in without a paddle, from two thousand four. I think it's two thousand four. My, I'm bad with the dates. <laughs> so, I don't want to think about but, that movie being that old. So <laughs> let's not even go there. Yeah. So, <laughs> but um, there, there's a problem at times. You can tell when they were recording this album. Like I said, this is the fourth and final album that Faces made. Because Rod Stewart was having a lot of success as a solo artist. And he's focusing a lot of his time on that and less on the band. So, and a lot of, I, mean, I think there was talk, you know, that, that this was, you know, Faces was Rod Stewart's secondary project. So the other members of the band 
started writing a few things themselves. Uh, I'm going to mention the personnel real fast because we have. The, the personnel is amazing. So you, you would think that this should be just like stellar. First you have Ronnie Lane on bass, rhythm and acoustic guitars, percussion, tambourine, and lead vocals on a couple tracks. Like Ooh La La, right? I think, I think one of them I know Ooh La La is not Rod Stewart doing the vocals. I'll say that. Then you have Ronnie Wood on lead guitar, slide, acoustic and rhythm guitars, electric. I'm going to hope I don't butcher this. It's a bazooki, bazooki. It's like a lute. I looked it up. It's like a lute that's uh, um, tuned further down. If you have to hear it, I mean, like to, to know what it is, but you can hear it in some of the couple of these songs. I think it's in Ooh La La, actually. It, it sounds like an acoustic guitar a little bit, but it's I think it's this electric bazooki or whatever. Then he does some co-lead vocals and the lead vocals. No, okay, Ronnie Wood. I always get the Ronnies mixed up. Ronnie Wood does uh, vocals on, uh, because their name's Ronnie and Ronnie. So, <laughs> but, but he does vocals on Ooh La La. So yeah, that's the noticeable difference. It's, it's good. Actually, it's the best song on the album, <laughs> the title track. I would say that. And then I'm going to keep going, though. Ian, Mc, uh, Ian McLaughlin on uh, piano, organ, harmonium backing vocals and the co-lead vocals on a track you have kenny jones and i've never seen anyone spell her name k-e-n-n-e-y it's probably a british thing but kenny jones does drums and percussion and then finally you have rod stewart he plays he has lead vocals on most of the tracks then he has banjo which i was i didn't know rod stewart played banjo so that was kind of cool and then he has a secondary electric guitar on one of the tracks but he's not present at all on like tracks 6, 8, and 10 is the note I made. And I don't have the... So I guess on what? F- Flying the Ointment, gl- uh, Glad and Sorry, and then Ooh La La. Those three tracks will not feature Rod Stewart at all. And I thought Rod Stewart was on Flying the Ointment. It's an instrumental track. I'm not I'm not really going to go into any of the tracks hardly. I think there was what uh, one, maybe two. Two, you know, other than Ooh La La, there was, there was another single. And it's uh, Cindy, incidentally. It's hard to say. <laughs> that that track's okay. I think that's actually, that, that one and Ooh La La are really the only standout tracks on this album. And I mean, I'm slandering it. It's, it's, it's fine, but you can tell that the band was going through a little bit of a division and Rod Stewart's, his attention was focused elsewhere. You can, it just really comes out in this album. And Rod Stewart himself actually <laughs> slandered and he caused hurt feelings with the other band members. Um, he slandered this album when he was talking about in front, like to the critics, I think. He's like, yeah, it's not really good, is it? But I think he meant that's that they, that's not the best they could do. But it's my, in a lot of ways, it's his fault. So I think maybe he wasn't maybe taking a little bit of responsibility for the lack of cohesion in the album. So you can tell, though, it, it like the albums before were that we've reviewed, like I think the, whatever that first faces album not the small faces but when it was faces i think that's a pretty good album i think we did we i didn't go back and actually look to see what we rated it but it was decent and this one here just you can tell this sounds like a band kind of trying to find themselves again maybe or going through the paces at times just not not as much energy as in the past you can tell they're not cohesive at least i mean going back you know 50 years later and listening to it at the time maybe it was fine but yeah, this one for me wasn't as exciting. I'll go ahead and give my stars and let you talk about what you think about it. This one was, was three and a half. It's still not bad, but it's but it's still not. I mean, it's not even approaching a four for me. 
So, but you know, what did you think about Faces Ooh La La? Yeah, um, Rod Stewart definitely has less of a presence on this album than some of the previous ones, and less of a presence than I was expecting, but that's okay. You know, I like the other band members too. Faces is a good band. It's not all just Rod Stewart and his backing band, but he does get a lot of the attention. I, I, of course, know the song Ooh La La, and I like it, and I do love Rod Stewart, so, you know, I was looking forward to this. Most of my knowledge of Faces is limited to the singles and the ones that we have previously reviewed, so I was very interested in this one, like I said, but I didn't really know entirely what to expect. I like the piano in the song Silicone Grown. I think that was the first track. That was a pretty catchy song, and it had that good, fast, catchy piano that I mention all the time. It was also present in some of the other tracks, like My Fault, and I really liked that. Of course, the vocals, they all sound good. It is still mostly Rod Stewart on vocals. There are some tracks, like you said, that are sung by other band members, Ronnie Lane, Ronnie Wood, or Ian McLagan. I don't think... Kenny Jones did any, but I would say most of them are Rod Stewart. At least half are Rod Stewart. And he sounds like Rod Stewart. It's it's like what you would expect from his singing, you know, that raspy, distinctive voice that he has. But all of the other guys, they all sounded good too, so I don't want to take anything away from them. It was all, I thought it was all pretty catchy and fun, so I enjoyed listening to it, We'll admit that the first part of side two, like the first two or three songs, were a little bit less engaging, I guess might be the right word. They didn't grab me quite as much as the others, but they weren't bad either. They just weren't quite as interesting. Which leads me to the criticism part of the album. I've been very positive so far, but it's not all positive. And this is not a terrible thing, really, but I did enjoy the album for the most part, but it was forgettable. You know, it doesn't stand out enough to remember those songs specifically. I had actually already forgotten the songs until I'm reading back over my notes right here. So while I enjoyed listening to them while they were on, they don't stick with me. The album is memorable based entirely on that title track, because that's a great song. But that is the only one on the album that I'm going to really remember a week or two from now, or maybe even a day or two from now. It might grow on me more with subsequent listens, because music does that sometimes. You know, it's that familiarity thing. The more I listen, the more I get to know the songs, and I enjoy them more and more. But I feel like it would take several listens to this album to get to that point, and I just, I don't have that much time especially with all the other albums that we have on our schedule. And if it takes that many listens for you to get me, you know, that's not a good thing. <laughs> so I would listen again if I needed to. I wouldn't mind it at all. It was enjoyable, but it's not something that I'm going to go out of my way to put on, except maybe that title track, because that is a great one. So we're in agreement on this one. I gave it three and a half stars as well. It's good, but it's not great. It was fun while it lasted, but now that it's over, I am content. I'm excited to hear what these other artists, you know, do with other bands now. Because they were maybe at the end of this run. You can kind of tell. 
But you know Ronnie Lane and Ronnie Wood, Rod Stewart, all these guys are going to go out and do major things. So, you know, it's going to happen for them. It's not like these guys don't have success. But, you know, um, the Faces album is more exciting than the next album that we're getting ready to talk about. But it's because, once again, it's an in, a type of music thing, enjoyment-wise. Sometimes, you know, we have to listen to 70s uh, country western. <laughs> That's kind of bland. It's, some of it doesn't stand out. The album I'm getting ready to talk about, we're getting ready to talk about, is one of those. Well, it's like vanilla. Vanilla's a good flavor. Nickelback's an okay band. Kind of like that. <laughs> the artist we're talking about, this album, uh, came out just in March of 73. We once again don't have the day. This is John Stewart, Cannons in the Rain. I actually like his work on The Daily Show better. And I have the America and the World books, and they're pretty good. No, 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 so no, So everyone, no. if you get a chance... I like his anti-gun control, and I was amazed that he has the cannons in the ring <laughs> thing. Hey, I love the comedian John Stewart, but uh, if you were listening to him, I'm sorry, you've listened to the wrong album. This is a different guy entirely. I would have loved to hear comedian John Stewart do this album. That would have been a lot more entertaining. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> so, um, the one thing I did know about John Stewart, this John Stewart, <laughs> is he wrote Daydream Believer. For the monkeys. So that was a pretty cool tidbit. And I'm glad the monkeys performed it because I'm sure it was better. And it's awful. Sounds like a slander to Jon Stewart. His vocals aren't bad. It's just kind of there. Um, he was originally with the Kingston Trio. I, I was not familiar with the Kingston Trio. I only know of one Kingston and that's my puppy dog. And that's the only one that really matters. So I think they're actually a... Uh, more of a 60s band probably still this i think it more is that country western style of music i didn't go and listen to any of the stuff folk. i think he did replace is yeah. it folk he did replace the singer dave something <laughs> from what i can tell i can't remember um the, the, my review is going to be really short on this one because there's really no song on here that stands out to me nothing bad i'm not going to go through the personnel because the personnel once again is pretty extensive um we didn't hear, once again, we were on hiatus. So we didn't hear his album, Sunstorm. I didn't go back and try to check it out because I figured it was more of the same. I will eventually go back and check it out. I think the next album is in 74. So this is all the John Stewart we have this year. And it's called The Phoenix Concerts. And if it's a live thing, you won't hear from us about that either. There are notable exceptions. Hmm. Bob Seger Live. <laughs> Bullet Live or whatever. But <laughs> typically we're not going to do that because a live album is greatest hits. We don't do greatest hits either. I mean, they should be all be five stars unless it's really bad concert. But this album, well, I mean, there's nothing bad. There's also nothing just great either. Um, this is actually Jon Stewart's sixth album. So I wasn't aware. This is my first time I've actually, I think, I ran into his work. Like I said, other than The Daily Show. But... Um, just not, not an exciting album, not a bad album. If you're like, if you like the country folk, that kind of thing, like the 70s more, you'll probably be all right with this album. But like I said, vanilla is a good flavor as well. So sometimes it's okay. For me, this is three stars. So I'm going to turn it over to you. To be completely honest, I wasn't looking forward to this album. It just, it didn't look like something I was going to be interested in from the little bit that I had read about it. It didn't sound like something I was going to be interested in. So 
I went into this with low expectations. Lowered expectations. <laughs> but first impressions can be inaccurate. So I pushed all of my expectations aside and just listened to it with an open mind. It wasn't bad. I think I liked it a little more than you, but that is normal. I tend to like country music a little more than you. So I feel like this is one of those times that my first impression was inaccurate because I was thinking that this was going to be bad. It's not bad. I'm not sure exactly what I was expecting, so that may also have something to do with it. I think that the genre is described as folk on Wikipedia, but it, it's country. You know, he's got a pretty heavy accent, but it doesn't sound fake at least, so good. <laughs> Actually, his vocals I thought were pretty good. I thought they were better than Tom Waits. Oh, for sure. His voice is sort of deep. It's not super bassy, but it is definitely on the lower end of the pitch scale, which I enjoy. And it was fairly, you know, full sounding and pretty. He has a good voice. It reminded me of somebody else, and I haven't been able uh, to put my finger like on not as shape. not as strong, not as strong a John Denver. <laughs> eh, maybe I haven't been able to put my yeah. finger on who it reminds me of. Um, it's driving me crazy because it's right there on the tip of my tongue. It's not Gordon Lightfoot, but I can see comparing those two voices as well. Um, but I feel like there's another 70s or maybe even earlier country artist that I'm thinking of, but I just can't quite name. There's a little bit of Waylon Jennings in there, too, but that's not it either. Well, there was a trio back from you know, the 60s, the Kingston Trio. <laughs> it's not the Kingston Trio. <laughs> but it is kind of funny to make that Gordon Lightfoot comparison because the Kingston Trio recorded some of Gordon Lightfoot's material when Jon Stewart was with them. <laughs> so, I don't know, but it's not them. I checked that to make sure. Anyway, like I said, Wikipedia does describe this as folk. But I would just say country. Some of the instruments almost border on bluegrass. You know, there's banjo and mandolin, but they're used in a more country and western way. There's also drums and piano and pedal steel guitar. There's actually a bunch of guitars on this album. Like you said, the personnel list is very extensive, so I'm not going to list all of those either. Um, but I think that the the people that did play on this, I think they were all good choices. And I did want to mention there's also, you know, two of the many guitars that are on here are even resonator guitars, which we don't see very often. So I did want to bring that up. I will say that some of the song's topics and themes lean more toward folk, like their current events type of stuff. Not so much protest songs, but current events, like there's a song Armstrong about the moon landing. It's just that the musical or the instrumental style is more country than typical folk. I definitely think that Jon Stewart is a talented artist. I know he did have a later hit, Gold, with backing vocals by Stevie Nicks. I do know that song and I enjoy it. And as you mentioned, he wrote Daydream Believer that became a hit for the Monkees. That's another great song. He also wrote this entire album. The only other writer credited is John Phillips. Now, if you believe Wikipedia, it's not the John Phillips from the Mamas and the Papas. It's an English poet from the early 1700s. I don't think I believe Wikipedia on that. I'm guessing it's the 1960s and 70s musician John Phillips that we're talking about. 
<laughs> John Stewart's a time traveler. <laughs> I mean, it's possible. He was a poet. It's possible that he pulled some of the words from that poetry. The song that I'm talking about is Chilly Winds. But I did try to do some research. <laughs> chilly Winds. That's what you get after you eating chili around the campfire. Ah. Yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> but... I did try to do some research. Couldn't find a whole lot about the poet, but every other site that I found referenced Mamas and the Papas, John Phillips, which makes more sense anyway. So I think that that's the case, and somebody just screwed up on that Wikipedia link. But anyway, he is listed as a co-writer along with John Stewart on that song. Everything else is just John Stewart. I have been fairly positive describing this album, but I don't think that anything off of it is a particular hit. I thought it was all pretty good, but nothing was especially remarkable, and that's the bad. I think that this was a very good week. Unfortunately, I don't mean that the albums are each very good when I say that. What I mean is that there are a lot of good albums, but they are just good. They're not super great or anything. And this is another one of those. So, I did rate it a little bit higher than you, but it's still just another three and a half stars for me. Yeah, I mean, like I said, vanilla isn't bad. But this is this does tend to hit that vanilla a little bit at times. So, nothing really stands out. Uh, funny you mentioned the Space song, because I actually like the Space song in the next album we're getting ready to talk about quite a bit better. So, <laughs> well, we'll get into that in a minute. But yeah, um, I just wasn't excited with with the John Stewart stuff, all the you know the comedian jokes aside or whatever. But you know, as an artist, not a bad artist. He's not not like uh, some of the boring Johnny Cash stuff that we've had. I don't want to say it was like that. Even it's okay. If you, I mean, like I say, if you're a fan of seventies, it says folk, but this is country, and I would say at times country western. A song called Tucson, Arizona. So it doesn't have the heavy twang or anything like that. It just has that feel. If you like to experience that, you know, being out there, you know, having that country feel to it, you're probably going to like this. And it, it might sound better on vinyl. I think these albums do typically lend themselves better to vinyl out in the room. Uh, it's, just, it's, it's not as not as impactful if it's in headphones for me. I don't know, and that may have been part of the reason as well. It, your listening environment does affect the quality a lot of times so yeah it's not a, it wasn't as ex, an exciting album but that's not doesn't mean that i'm like you know i'm not opposed you know, to listening to some more john stewart stuff but i'm glad that we don't have anything for a while i'll say that but now the next artist i mean my goodness <laughs> what an interesting guy first off i mean <laughs> that's one way to put it <laughs> uh, what an interesting guy i mean <laughs> uh, donovan now we've already we already heard donovan a couple episodes back, two or three episodes back, with when we reviewed Alice Cooper's Billion Dollar Babies, because um, the vocals, you know, with uh, other than Alice, I mean, Donovan's on that song. I didn't know that. It, like, the whole time I've listened to that song, I didn't realize it was the same guy who sang Season of the Witch, Sunshine Superman, Hurdy Gurdy Man, or Mellow Yellow, to name a few songs. So, I mean, I didn't realize his catalog was so extensive. I don't know how I would categorize Donovan's music. Psychedelic? 
I can I can tell that he did hang out with some of the guys from like Led Zeppelin and like a lot of these artists. You can tell because he he has that feel at times, but also at times he has a Monty Python funny humorous type feel to his songs. And I think um, a lot of this with the rock stuff that comes out in this is because maybe the album before I, I didn't mention this album title. I, we don't have a day either, which is surprising. This album is Donovan Cosmic Wheels. Came out at wheels as in wheels on the bus go round and round. It came out March of 73. But, um, like I said, I was already familiar with, with, with all this other work. But the album before this, it's like the HMS. It's like a, a, about based on a ship. The HMS Donovan maybe is the title of it. And I think it's more... Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and it's more traditional type stuff. I think I think it's, he had a family. I think he he was doing like more of a family thing at the time. I, mean, I guess he had a wife and kids and or whatever. So maybe he had calmed down a little bit at the time. So I think that album is a little bit more subdued and actually a little bit highly critically, uh, you know, higher crit- critically acclaimed than maybe this album, like the scores and things. From what I could tell, I didn't go back and listen to that. Maybe it's HMS Donovan sounds right. I can't remember, but this album is a mixed bag. I do like. Donovan's use of sound effects at times in his music it just is interesting it's always interesting to me as a I put my air finger quotes no one can see it but producer here that to listen to someone that was able to throw in little sound effects to keep things interesting at times so I'm not gonna go track by track on this album like I said it is a mixed bag at times there was some rock in it and but there's a couple ballads it sounds psychedelic at times it does sound maybe at times it does sound creative and and inventive like he took chances but he's also able to meld some of the older style sounding stuff the late 60s even it 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 doesn't sound he's, he's found a way to make the late 60s stuff meld into with this this creative stuff and not be stale and be exciting because if, if it were just an album of just you know standard the poppy stuff or whatever i don't think i would like it as much he does pretty well like i think uh what the cosmic wheels song is more of like a pop song and um let me see what mary magenta i'd say it's poppy at, at times it has that weird falsetto he does at times hit a weird falsetto i don't mind that because i mean i like bands like sparks already that hit that so that's fine with me uh the lyrics for earth sign man may be questionable i don't know if he means it tongue-in-cheek because you never can tell with donovan because he does have humor injected into his his art a lot and it's i like it (laughs) but earth sign man he does have a lyric says he likes his women to cook i don't know if it's misogynistic it's probably not. It's probably being just, you know, Donovan or whatever. But I don't know. I just wanted to point that out. I think the song Sleep is Lennon-esque from like the same time period. It, it really sounds a little bit like that to me. Like I mentioned before, Maria Magenta and the title track Cosmic Wheels have more of a pop-oriented style. I like it. I, I like it, though. Like Normally, I, if it's something, if I say pop, I'm like, eh, you know, I'm an elitist. <laughs> I really like Wild Witch Lady. That song stuck in my head. He does hit that once again, the falsetto at times. Sweet! <laughs> but it's good, and I like the the backing vocals as well in that. It sounds uh, creepy, <laughs> creepy-esque at times, because it's a, with a Wild Witch Lady. 
that's probably my favorite on this album if I had to pick a track but I don't know because I like you mentioned space earlier with Armstrong I think intergalactic laxative <laughs> it's hilarious oh my gosh I can't believe he was able to get away with some of the stuff but it's Monty Python to style dirty in a way I guess bathroom humor bathroom humor but I mean it's limerick style I just thought it was funny that he put it on here and it's fun I think Donovan has a children's album as well so I'm anxious to see if it's before this and if it is I'll go back and listen if not I'll wait because I don't want to listen ahead but I'm not going to give my stars on this um, I was actually surprised I didn't like this at all the first time I listened to it and the, 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 like, the last three songs I think one of the songs out of those are okay but it kind of the album dovetails a little bit after Intergalactic Laxative it's like he ran out of a little bit of material. Maybe there's some filler in it. I don't know. But I still liked one of the three of the, the final you know, three songs. So I didn't ding it too hard on that. And the production's excellent on this album. I will say that. Everything sounds excellent. I didn't... I'm, I'm sure I listened to a remastered track. But, you know, I was pleasantly surprised with Donovan's Cosmic Wheels. But I'm not going to give my stars yet. What did you think about it? I do know and like... Season of the Witch and Mellow Yellow and some of the other earlier stuff, but I feel like my knowledge of Donovan's music is pretty limited, which is kind of strange and sad because he was very prolific, and I know he was also fairly influential, and he did work with a lot of big artists like the Beatles. I think um, maybe Happiness is a Warm Gun, he was involved with that one, and he did work with a some of the guys from Led Zeppelin, as you referred to. And we did review one or two of his albums, I think, on earlier shows. We did miss the HMS Donovan, for sure, but I feel like maybe back in 70 we had one. But I don't really remember them very much. Of course, as you said, he was on one of the tracks from Billion Dollar Babies, the title track, I think, a couple weeks ago. But the point I'm trying to make, he has slipped under my radar for the most part. And he is a little difficult to pin down. He's got he's got a lot going on in his head. And there's a lot going on in his music. The title track of this album, right away, my first thought is, it sounded like it could have been a song for T-Rex. You know, actually, several of the songs on this album I thought the same thing about. It, there was just something about the odd stylings. The only issue with that is I think it might have been better if it had been done by T-Rex. I don't mean to sound harsh or overly critical. I'm not saying it's bad at all. It's just that I feel like he was sort of emulating Mark Bolan, but he doesn't have it, that special thing that Mark Bolan has. Now, having said that, you know, I do know that a lot of glam rockers listed Donovan as an influence, so it is kind of odd to say that he was emulating them. Maybe he wasn't. You know, we did miss part of the middle of his career. And even some of the early career. You know, the stuff I do know by him doesn't have quite the same quality that I'm talking about that T-Rex has. Um, but, you know, maybe T-Rex was influenced by him either directly or indirectly. I don't know. They don't all sound like T-Rex. Wild Witch Lady didn't. I didn't care for that one. Um, there was shrieking in the background. It was difficult for me. It sounded like sirens. And it was very irritating to my ears and my brain. But it didn't sound like anyone else. And I 
thought until that started that I was going to like it. So if I could just take that out, I think I would enjoy that song. Intergalactic Laxative also didn't really sound like anyone else. I'm not going to say anything much else about that one. I think you know, what you have said you know, and the title <laughs> is kind of enough. It is definitely a comedy song. Pretty gross, too. There are some risque lyrics, so maybe don't listen to that one with kids. Nah, just play it for them. Unless... They, they need to know... Unless you want to. Yeah, they need to know how the, the, the astronauts go to the bathroom. <laughs> listen to it yourself first before you decide whether to play it for your kids. Let's put it that way. And I think... I can't remember now what song it was. Maybe it's not even off this album. I can't remember. But we did have something else this week that was also sort of risque, and I believe it was Donovan. Uh, so yeah, maybe just listen to the album yourself first before you play it with kids around the one i did like was the music maker that one is one of the t-rex-esque ones but i thought it was pretty good and i also noticed that background vocals were provided by Susie quattro leslie duncan and Susie quattro but that that was fun i first turned to Susie quattro from watching happy days she played leather tescadero but i also do know some of her music she had a music career of her own. I thought that song was really catchy, and I enjoyed that. I didn't hate the album. I don't mean to give that impression. I'm not trying to slam it. I wasn't really overly inspired or excited by it either. I feel like if you like T-Rex, you're probably going to like most of this one okay. But I do feel like T-Rex and maybe some of the other glam rock groups are better than this. So I did downgrade a little bit for that which makes me struggle because I want to upgrade him for being an influence but I also want to downgrade him for not being as good as those so I struggled with my rating for this one it's probably not something I'm going to spend my time listening to again but it is fine so I decided for me this one is three stars but it was tough for me three stars are you serious <laughs> yeah Three stars. I just, Four and a half. I wasn't really... <laughs> I wasn't impressed by this Except one. Except for the last... Like, I, I, I was, it was four for me, but the production of it is excellent. So I have to... Once again, I have to give it my half star. But this is just as good as T-Rex and the other stuff. Come on now. Some of the other T-Rex stuff was terrible. We've already reviewed it. Other than the hits. I will admit, <laughs> the early T-Rex yeah. stuff was bad, but they got better. Yeah. Oh, some of their stuff was terrible. That's all. That that hurt my feelings a little bit. Now this album's better than three <laughs> stars. Everybody, I'm sorry. Maybe it was because of your misophonia. You have trouble with the like say you <laughs> with that. Uh, but I don't know because it, uh, it, it's pretty inventive. I don't know, but I don't even know what, th what three and a half and was that make it three and three quarters? I think I can. <laughs> I think I can. Think I can rest easy knowing we gave him that because he influenced those other artists. <laughs> what do you get? Are you giving it four or are you giving it four and a no, half? It's four and a half. All right. It's, it's four and a half. <laughs> I just didn't I didn't care for I didn't get that much inventiveness off of this. And, um, well see, I've listened to this one a lot this week because the other albums were terrible. So I I pulled out because I like three or four of the songs. I'm like, hey, I'm gonna see if somehow, you know, maybe Yeah. You know, I don't know. I, this this album actually has made me want to go back and listen to some more of the Donovan stuff. Other than, like, the other singles that I'm already familiar with. Like, Hurdy Gurdy Man. I already listed all those. 
and mellow yellow and all that fun stuff i uh no i can he i can definitely see him because i think he's been out he was long he was out before bowling and all these other guys i think he's influenced i think he influenced them it's donovan's from way back i mean even when you look at his uh early stuff <laughs> like hurdy-gurdy man and stuff he looks so young so it looks it's so weird it's the, the difference in what the uh probably the psychedelics <laughs> and hanging out with the guys like uh well hanging out with guys like um you know like the guys from led zeppelin or something like that because when you look at like the early like i pulled stuff up on youtube of donovan greatest hits and his young stuff he's almost looks like he belongs on the monkeys a little bit he looks like a member of the monkeys but a little bit younger you know maybe the younger guy you know when they were younger but he looks like a member of the monkeys but then as it progresses, like even when you look at his Spotify stuff, he's course, he has long hair. Of course, he's an older guy now. You know, we all are. <laughs> we all we all are starting to get a little old, huh? But uh, but yeah, he's got the, he's got long gray hair, but he has like a moon, a crescent moon painted. I thought it was a tattoo at first, but he has a crescent moon painted on his forehead. So <laughs> I knew I was into something a little bit. So I'm I'm, I'm anxious to hear the direction because we already know most of the songs now so does does donovan just kind of fizzle out or does he get overshadowed now maybe because everyone took the influence from him and ran with it and just like the beatles almost like i say i, I always talk about i think the beatles are a little bit overrated but it's because they came out with it first and a lot of people took their ideas and ran with it and i don't want to say made it better but made it more because it's more it's newer so it's newer to your ear yeah he definitely was influential i don't mean to take that away from him at all this one just didn't really impress me i feel like i feel like he could do better um but you know this is the only one that we were really very far apart on this week and that's okay that's why we have two of us reviewing well i think if I were to try to base it, uh, you know, uh, set it up against his his hits, maybe maybe some of the other songs do fall, you know, short on this album a little bit. But I don't I don't know. I looked for this one in vinyl because I want to hear how the like some of these some of the sound effects that he throws in, even or whatever, how it sounds in the room. And you probably did you listen to this album in headphones? Uh, no, I listened in the room. In the room, so I didn't know. I'm wondering what because vinyl just adds that something to, i don't know it's hard to describe it just makes things sound more rounded they're not as sharp so even if it is a siren it's rounded it's not as piercing or sharp at times on a vinyl and i mean <laughs> acoustic guitars and everything definitely sound better so but that is the last album of the week still we ha i mean overall our scores are still really good you know for the albums you can't if you put it up against last week it's going to fall short because last week we had so many good albums, Dark Side of the Moon, The Captain and Me. I mean, like I say, we bookended those, and I don't know, I don't think we had an album that was below three and a half, maybe not even, four, you know, like four. I think they were all fours. Yeah, they were all at least four last week. So, and... Uh, we, no, we did have some three and a half. Well, no, we did I have... I think they were the we solo had Fog ones. Hat. We had those three and a half. Yeah. It was, I'm, I'm, I'm not including the solos because it's not fair. 
<laughs> because you know, yeah, that's we, one person. A couple of the solos were three and a half, and then Foghat was three and a half. Yeah, because I mean, I can't because I mean, this week I've got Link Ray as a four and a half, so I can set that. I could have put Link Ray right up there with Doobie Brothers and those albums, though. I will say that it may fall a little bit short, but the Link Ray Link Ray album would be right there with them. But yeah, definitely everyone check out Link Ray's "Be What You Want To" and stuff from his past, Rumble and ace of spades and i mean he's got son of rumble and there's just it's just extensive there's an there's a link ray and the rayman i think link ray and the rayman greatest hits and that album i might be able to get that one it's not as uncommon so that one's cool i, I really want to get that one so everyone be on the lookout for that kind of you you you, you will not be disappointed in that it's going to be guitar music you're they're probably i don't think link ray and the rayman even have vocals but sometimes you don't have to have vocals because <laughs> his guitar speaks for itself most of the time. So, but you know, uh, I will run through the albums that we have next week because it's funny that you mentioned someone that Donovan influenced. I'm anxious to hear at the same time here T Rex Tanks. So I'm anxious to hear that. That came, our albums next week are March the 12th through the 18th. But actually, we only have one day release this is that t-rex album on march the 16th then we're also going to be talking hopefully it doesn't tank oh i'm hoping i don't know though like i say it's hit or miss i really like some of the bowling stuff and some of the stuff i'm like ooh. but i give him <laughs> but i give him points for trying things also so i'm always i'm always no i was just gonna say i'm hoping that the album title is not prophetic oh no but i'm always willing to give t-rex a little bit of rope just because of the talent involved with the band, and Mark Boland specifically, so I'm always willing to give him a little bit of rope. But we'll see if he hangs himself. I don't know, but that is the only album that we do have a release day for next week. We're also, but we're also going to be talking about March '73, Hank Williams Jr. After you, pride's not hard to swallow. Oh, not looking forward to this at all. Not a fan of Hank Williams Jr. <laughs> oh come on surely not <laughs> i mean if you take the race the racist undertones of out of everything it might be okay because he has talent but i couldn't find this album at all i've already tried to look ahead this album's not on spotify so this one's going to be one that's going to be hard to get so i'm but it's hank williams jr after you pride's not hard to swallow so that's another one we're also going to be talking about Ruben and the Jets for real. Is that based off Benny and the Jets? I think. Um, maybe, but it it's connected to the Mothers of Invention. So <laughs> yeah, which is which is still okay. I think that's their fictional. I think Ruben and the Jets is Mothers of Invention's fictional band based off of like. Elton John and stuff like that, the doo wop and maybe some stuff. That one has the poss- you know, the potential to be really good, as long as it's focused. A lot of times when you can f- get Frank Zappa to focus and not be as experimental, and I mean that's his art. He can do what he wants, but when you do catch a focused Frank Zappa, you get some really good music. So I'm excited for that one. And then finally, we're gonna have the Shylights, a letter to myself. Now those are the albums that we're uh, you know the we're both going to review now the solo albums my solo album next week 
Judy, J-U-D-E-E, Sill, Heart Food. I don't know Judy Sill. I think we may have had her maybe one other album. Yeah, you had an album, and I think it's just standard kind of folk, maybe. And it's just, okay. But we'll see. You never know. This one's heart food, so it's maybe full of ballads. So I'm sure I'll love that. So <laughs> stick around for that. You have Sylvester. Sylvester and the Hot Band. I mean, I, I only know Sylvester from, you know, what? Uh, Sylvester and Tweety. So I don't know. I've, I've never even knew he, he spoke. I even didn't know he had a voice to sing with. But <laughs> I'm anxious to hear that one. And then finally, we're going to have Luke back with Luke's Love Listen. Luke Loves Listening. That one's hard to say. And he's going to have Prokel Haram Grand Hotel. May God be with him. Because I'm excited I didn't get that one. But once again, I will listen to every single one of these albums. So <laughs> That's why <laughs> we I'm... have him on the show, to listen to the ones that we just can't stomach. <laughs> yep. Oh, not a fan of them. But, uh, you know, we listen to it all, guys. Uh, like uh, once again if you're listening along those are the albums coming up next week if you haven't listened to these albums that we had this week don't just totally <laughs> don't totally trust us go and listen for yourself make your own opinion of it you know form your own opinion see what you like you may like some of this you know dreary Tom Waits you may agree with all music they're wrong you'd be wrong but that's okay <laughs> so but um, uh, you know I don't really have anything else to add do you have anything else to add, Amy? No, I don't think so. I'm I'm looking at the schedule for next week and just I'm interested to see how next week is going to go. Let's just say interested. I will say next week has a big variety of artists. That's true. So, yeah. So it could be hit or miss. We'll see. But stay tuned next week, guys, because we'll be back. Have a nice, happy, healthy, safe week. Listen to all this great music and stay tuned.